Uh, I do want you to go ahead, take out your phones, if you will, find your phones, uh, go to silence them, but go to connectionpoint.life on uh, your browser, and that's where you'll be able to find the scriptures for today. You'll be able to find all of the notes for today, and you'll even be able to uh, follow up um, afterwards, take some next steps. So connectionpoint.life is where we'll be. And then if you get on connectionpoint.life, there are little cards you can slide, and if you'll just slide to sermon notes, that will be the most helpful place. And like I said, you'll be able to find all of the scriptures that we're going to be using today. If you don't have a phone or you prefer not to use a phone, we also have a, this other option. It's called a book. It's a Bible. And if you brought a Bible today, um, you can. we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 5 and 6. What's interesting is that for about 500 or 600 years ago, this was actually probably the most uh, interesting piece of technology, new technology. In fact, it was controversial. In fact, there were people who were arguing over whether or not the Bible should even be in a book. It was new technology. And uh, I'm sure as books developed that kids started fighting over which book they're going to read at night. And it just became as we got new books, we had new arguments, new conundrums. And then uh, progress, we got into the 1980s. If we fast forward, this was my first, uh, the first time I ever saw new technology was when the VCR was created. That's when I, the first time I actually remember, huh, there's a new technology. How many of you have a VCR in your home right now? A few of you do. Wow. Okay. That's an antique piece of furniture almost. Now, I remember at my house, we had, we got the, when we got our VCR, I remember it set on top of the TV because the TV was a piece of furniture. It was a big old thing. And I remember my dad actually programmed our VCR. He programmed it so it would record days of our lives every single day. And my mom never missed another episode of days of our lives. But to my knowledge, not only was our VCR never programmed again after that, but I don't think any other person ever programmed a VCR after that. But ours, we actually used it. I didn't know how to do it. My dad did. But I do know it brought some new choices because no longer are we going to fight over books. We begin to go to a place called Blockbuster, and we would fight now over what video we were going to rent, what we were, movie we were going to watch that evening. And you see, when we talk about technology, what we're really talking about is new choices, and anytime you have new choices, you have new conundrums, you have new opportunities to make wise or to make uh, poor decisions. And so we've started this new series called Technologically Challenged. And if you came here hoping to learn how to program a VCR or something to that ilk, that is not what we're going to do. But I do hope that this will be very, very um, encouraging to you and helpful to you as we talk about this issue of technology. Now, I'm going to show you a picture of my family, okay? Now... This is my family, and I've got four kids, and we all have our own issues with technology, okay? Now, my son, Clayton, on the far, your far right, he, uh, he has an iPhone. He, uh, he likes to play video games, and uh, he, as he's gotten to be a teenager, all of a sudden he has an Instagram account, and all of a sudden I had to, it, it kind of came on my radar. I've got to think about technology. Now, my other kids are, are not in completely innocent. We have Elliot and Oliver. They love video games. They love to watch YouTube. But that's kind of their preferred uh, choice if they have a screen in front of them. 
Now, Annie loves Netflix on any screen at any time. In fact, she loves Sophia the First. She loves these uh, 30-minute TV shows, and she'll watch 15 episodes if we let her. She will stay there and watch them all. My wife has perfect technology habits, so we're not even going to have to address her. But me, I will tell you that I would like to say, hey, I'm going to preach this from a place of authority because I've got this figured out. But the truth is, I did a little experiment. I... I have a a screen time enabled on my phone so that I can see everything my son does on his iPhone. I can even see how much he uses his iPhone. And I got on there, and I I noticed he used his phone about three hours a day, and I thought, I'm aghast. And then I looked at my phone use, and I realized, wait a second, he's actually doing better than I'm doing in my phone use. And so I will say, hey, I use mine for work. He's probably using his during school. I don't know. But I had to look at myself very quickly and say, you know what? This isn't his problem. This is really my problem. This is something that I struggle with just as much as any of my kids. But it came on my radar because my kids began to use technology. They begin to use uh, screens almost every second that they can. In fact, it got to the point where it was hard to go to the grocery store without my kids saying, hey, can I take my Kindle for the three-minute drive to the grocery store? And I don't blame them. I actually blame myself for letting it get to this point. Now, a few years ago, I began to investigate this to see really what's going on, and here is why it really matters to me. A study done by uh, NBC News, they called this the age of the screenagers. And it's not just the teenagers, we're all becoming screenagers. And in fact, they said that in the last 10 years, suicide rates among teenage girls have doubled. And what's interesting about that is for the previous 20 years, depression and suicide had declined among teenage girls. And it wasn't until this trend began to reverse in 2010, something happened. Uh, The same trend can be seen in teenage boys. Teenage boys, it's not quite half, it's about 30%. But both of these trends of the suicide and depression rates reversing from a decline to a, a very, very substantial increase, both coincide with two apps that launched in that year. In 2010 and 2011, we had the the launch of uh, Snapchat and of Instagram. Now, I'm not going to blame these apps, and I'm not going to, to tell you that technology is the devil, okay? That is not what we're going to do today. But we are going to acknowledge that with new choices come new challenges. And if we have new challenges, we have to address this. We have to have a conversation, especially if there is a potential to destroy not just our kids, but if it affects our kids that way, I guarantee you it's affecting you the same way. Now, you may be saying, what does the Bible have to do with technology? And I will tell you, there's plenty in the Bible about technology because, again, we're talking about choices. In fact, if you go back to the very beginning of the nation of Israel, the very beginning when God said, hey, I'm going to change the course of history by by grabbing a hold of a few people and revealing myself to them, it started off with new choices. And that's where we're going to begin today. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 5 is where we're going to be for a moment. We'll have the verses on the screen as well for you. Now, let me give you some context. The book of Deuteronomy is kind of a recap 
of what has happened in the, in the nation of Israel. Um, Devarim is the, is the word for, the Hebrew word for Deuteronomy. It means the words. It's simply the very first words in the book. It says these are the words that God spoke to Moses in the desert. So these are just Moses kind of recapping everything that has happened in the nation of Israel. And he gives a recap from as soon as they had been freed from Egypt. Because you see, about 1,500 years before Christ, there was this group of people called Israel or the, the Hebrew people. And God freed them from slavery. They were slaves and they were freed and they went out into the desert. And that's where Deuteronomy picks up. There's these people who have, have, have this new freedom in their life. Now think about this. They had been slaves. They had been told when they were going to go to sleep, when they were going to wake up. They had been told what they were going to work on, what they were going to do, how they can use their time. And for the first time, these people are freed. And they can, they can look around and say, you know what, I'm going to go over there instead of going over there today. They can say for the first time, you know what, instead of building bricks, I'm going to go over here and I'm going to open a store. And I'm going to, to change the course of my life. The kids could say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to stay up all night playing a game. And they were playing tiddlywinks or some, you know, Nintendo. I don't know what they were doing. But they had this choice that they had never had before. They had this new freedom. And what's interesting is God says, you know what? This choice is part of my blessing. This newfound freedom is where I want you to be, but it's good and potentially dangerous. And what he does not do is he does not say, here's this newfound freedom, you guys figure it out. He does not say, here's this newfound freedom, here are all these new choices you can make. Hey, I have confidence that you're going to be able to make all the right choices. You guys, let's see how it goes. He doesn't even say, I'm going to wait until you get to the final destination of where I'm, I'm taking you to where you've got everything figured out. He doesn't say, I'm going to wait until, until you get your life right and everything like that, and then I'm going to give you some guidelines. Instead, as soon as he gets them out in the desert, he says, we've got to have a talk. We have got to make some wise choices. And what he does is he gives them principles, principles that are going to guide them with these new choices. And so when we go through this series... We're going to look at one principle each week, one principle that, that will help us navigate the new technologies that we have. Now, today I want to introduce you to this first principle because it's one of the first things that Moses tells the people of Israel, this is the principle you need to guide your life by. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Moses summoned Israel, and he said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak to you in your hearing today. You shall learn them and be careful to do them. He says, listen, you've got all this new freedom. You can do whatever you want, but you would be wise. You would be smart to obey me. And the first thing he says in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 6, he quotes what God had told him. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. That's the first principle. In fact, I would tell you this is the, the principle of priority is the first thing God wanted to make sure in this newfound freedom, the newfound technology and things that they had available, let's have a priority. Let's set order to your life. Today we're going to talk about the principle of priority. And it is simply this, that we will not let anything take the place of God. 
The first thing, if you get nothing else from this message, you have to understand the first principle in how you use technology should be the same thing that God told the Israelites when they had new choices. We will not let anything take the place of God. And think about it. There were shiny objects all around them. There were new things that could distract them, and it wasn't just that they might go to another God. They might just be distracted and, and, and not focus on God. I'll, in all honesty here, I'm going to admit something that I'm pretty embarrassed to admit, and that is two days ago, I got sucked in a YouTube vortex. I am as susceptible to anyone as shiny objects, and one of the biggest shiny objects that I own is this right here. I spent two hours, I don't know why I admit this, other than to let you pray for me, I was watching a show I've never even watched in real life on YouTube. It was uh, called The Voice, but it wasn't the regular voice. It was the Norwegian voice, and they didn't even speak English, but I was fascinated, and before I knew it, I was two hours into this because it's a shiny object, and technology has the opportunity to do this. And so the first thing God says is we've got to have some priorities, and the first priority is this. We will not let anything take the place of God. Do you know that studies have already shown that the like button on social media gives you the same effects in your brain as most addictive drugs? That it's the exact same feeling and chemicals going, uh, process going on in your brain when you get a like or when you get a notification on social media or on your, your text message, then when you take a drug. Now, if you are going to take a drug, whether it's a prescription drug or another drug, you would at least think, how am I going to use this? Now, you might make the wrong decision. You might make an unwise decision, but you would at least consider it. And so we've got to at least consider that we need to have priorities. We need to make sure that we at least have a conversation. How do we use our technology? So today what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you three reasons for you to prioritize your technology. Three reasons to prioritize your technology. And, and I'm not going to tell you how. Now, I may give you some suggestions, but I, I don't want you to view this as these are the three things that church says or that Joel says or that whoever says you have to do. I want you to simply understand I want to prioritize God first in my life, and you can make the decisions on where God is leading you, how to do this. But at least I want you to see three important reasons. Now, and we're going to skip ahead to, to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And this is kind of where God is laying out these reasons. He says this. This is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. That you may do them in the land in which you are going over to and possess it. That you may fear the Lord your God and that your son and your son's sons, by keeping all of these statutes and commandments for which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. So before we get into the reasons, understand that there's kind of this meta reason, and that is that God has freed them. He is their Savior. He said, before he ever gave them a commandment or a rule, God said, hey, remember, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt. I'm your Savior. I want you to have this freedom. But then he says, I want you to have this freedom, but you have to understand there's somebody technologically challenged. No, not going to point any fingers. Now... He says, I want you to have this freedom, but I don't, I'm, not giving you this free, I'm not giving you these rules to take away your freedom and take away your fun. What I'm doing is, as I give you this freedom, I want you to enjoy 
Your freedom. So when they receive these commandments, they don't receive them as you and I receive rules. They didn't think, oh man, he's given us rules. They thought a blessing from God. He loves us so much. He's going to, to give us some guidelines for these. They love the law. Most Jewish people love the law because they view it as a way in which God is going to bless them through their obedience to him. And, and he starts off saying that I'm going to bless you so that your days may be long in this freedom. The first reason that we need to prioritize God is this. I prioritize my technology so that I can hear from God. So that I can hear from God. In verse 3 it says this, Hear therefore, O Israel. In fact, it's going to say that again in, in verse 4. It says it in verse 3 and it's going to say it in verse 4. In fact, this, this, you may have heard this phrase. In, in Hebrew it's Shema Yisrael. It, it's hear Israel. It's a big deal. Now, it says this, Hear, therefore, Israel, be careful to do them so that it may go well with you and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised you in, the, in a land flowing with milk and honey. God is calling you to, to, to great things. I believe that. But understand, you have to hear from God. So the first question I want to ask you is, when do you hear from God? When do you intentionally hear from God? Now, you know, Moses got these commandments when he went alone to be with God. In fact, keeping with the technology theme, God chose a tablet, right, to give him the... It was probably a Microsoft tablet, I think, because I was thinking about this. God probably doesn't like Apple products. He had a bad experience in Genesis chapter 3, right? No, that's a, that's a bad joke. I shouldn't have gone there. But... But anyway, Moses got alone. He got alone to hear from God. And in fact, Jesus would do this. The prophet Elijah, he goes off and, and he's in a depressive state. And, and, and he actually finds that God isn't in the thunderstorms and all of the noise. God is in the whisper. The biggest, biggest problem I see with technology is that the noise can drown out God. That just as it's not just my kids, it's me too. There's this fear of boredom now. There's this fear of there's no moment in my life where I'm going to, to be away from something speaking to me. Even in my car now, I have podcasts and all of this. And I realized there's never a time when I'm not tuned in to something in this world. And I begin to realize if I never tune out those things, I will never tune in God. So I simply want to ask you this question. When are you intentionally tuning in God by tuning out everything else? It might be your device. It might be a screen. But there's an intentionality. If you want to prioritize God, you have to understand if you do not do this, you will miss the words of God. You will miss what God is telling you. You could miss some of the direction for God has given you in your life simply because you did not take the time to hear from God. For me, I, I've challenged myself, and I've actually started in the mornings, I read my Bible, and then I actually turn off my, my devices, I actually sit down, and I just let myself think. I let myself sit there, and I, I ask God, hey, give me some names to pray for. And some of your names come up, and I pray for you. And I might even think about my day, and I'll ask God, how would you have me go through my day? And I just take some time to try to hear from God, because this is as hard for me as it is for you. And so 
This idea of boredom, I've even tried to, to challenge my kids to, hey, let's try to make it to the grocery store without, you know, just being, just being bored a little bit. Because it's interesting, I was, I've re- read several uh, biographies, I've been reading a biography on Abraham Lincoln, and do you know almost every president takes time, whenever they get stressed, to go for walks or to get away? In fact, Abraham Lincoln used to, to intentionally go for walks. Ralph Waldo Emerson, he would intentionally go for walks when he, before he was going to write because that's a time when, when he would, what we would call, be bored. That's when he found, that's when most of his problems get solved. In fact, you ever notice you solve problems in the shower? A lot of times that's simply because that's the first time you've, taken a, your, your, you've unplugged from your devices and your brain has been saying, let's think about these things. What we call boredom, they used to call contemplating. <laughs> They used to call considering things. When was the last time you intentionally took time to hear from God? Then the, the next priority is this. I will have priority, or I, I will prioritize my technology so that I will be drawn to God. The most fa- famous uh, verse in the Hebrew scripture is this. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 4, Shema Israel. The Shema is a prayer that is prayed by every um, Jewish person. Every boy knows this and, and recites this daily. It says this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. What's interesting, there's several things interesting about this, this verse. It's interesting for us as Christians because there are two ways that that verse is translated. The first one, Hear, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Now, if you're a Christ follower, you know that God often is presented in a trinity. That is, that God is fully God, the Father, but he also revealed himself through Jesus Christ, fully God, the Son, and also he fully reveals himself in the Holy Spirit of God, which is in each of his believers. We even see it in Genesis chapter 1. We see that the Spirit of God is hovering, but yet in the next chapter we see that God is walking as a man. And so we see that God is 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 Three persons. And so the Shema is interesting because if you trans, when you translate it as uh, the, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, it's, it's showing that there's one God despite the way that we understand the Trinity. But some will translate it, the Lord is the Lord alone. In other words, everyone around you has other gods, but there's only one real God, and that is the Lord. So it says the Lord is, Lord, is the Lord is God alone. So he says, listen, there's only one God you should have. That's their part, first part. But listen, look at this. With all, love the Lord your God with your whole heart, soul, and with all your might. That word might isn't the word might. It's just the way it's translated. The word is actually me'od, okay? It means very. It means much. It's actually usually used to describe other ones. I am very awesome. I am very cool. I am very bored. I am very tired. I am ma'od, bored. I am ma'od, tired. But this one, it doesn't even put the noun. It just says, with all your very, with all your uh, kind of, with everything you've got. You should love God with every bit of your being. And so... Let me ask you this question. Is technology drawing you towards God or away from God? If you're going to prioritize God, and we know that that part of our priority of God is we should be drawn to him, is your use of technology drawing you to or away? 
And if it's drawing you away, then you should probably consider how you're using technology, how it's leading you to make choices. The last one is this. I will prioritize my technology in order to bring order to my home so that I can have order in my home. God is a God of order. He is. He is not a God of chaos. He is a God of order. And there is an order that should be in your home. Look what he says. He's going to get real practical right after he says, love me with everything. He says, listen, you shall teach them. He says, these words shall be uh, that I command shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit at your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. In other words, he says, put these things everywhere. But, but this isn't a command that if you don't have you know, a nice wooden sign with a Bible verse over your house, you're outside of the will of God. It's simply, he's giving you some practical ideas. Here's the principle. Love the Lord your God. You will have one God. There's no other God. Love me. And so he gives them these kind of practical, this is how you do it. And everything you go, you should have God as your priority. Did you know that in your home, you're supposed to have a certain order in the way you follow God? You love God first. If you're married, then you put your spouse next and your kids would, would come after that. And then technology after that. That's the order, okay? Now, for most of us, this is a struggle because we don't have a strategy. We don't have a specific strategy in which we say, I'm going to set order in my house. The average child watches a screen for five hours a day. The average adult who works an office job watches a screen nine hours a day. And you don't work usually nine hours, so some of that's at home. Are we prioritizing? Do we have a strategy to make sure we're drawn to God and we're hearing from God? I want to give you four strategies that I have been using, some working, some not working, okay? They're going to be up on the screen here. And I've also got them listed here because uh, the first thing that I want you uh, to see uh, is that I've been trying this. I've turned on screen time. If, if, if you, at the very least, if you want something practical, if you have an iPhone or if you have an Android device, there is family time, I believe, on the Android and screen time. You should at least start tracking your use of technology. You know that it tells you how many times you pick up your phone, and I'm not even going to tell you how many times I picked up my phone this week because it told me, and I was ashamed. <laughs> I checked against my son, and again, I was worse than him. Now, consider paying for a monitoring service. I would consider at, at all costs at having a strategy, and especially if you have kids, you should have some way to control your internet use. You should have some way to know what you and your kid. You should set order intentionally in your house. Now let's go to the next one. You should make your phones less appealing. I had a conversation with Chance who accidentally dropped his phone in the toilet this week and he said it's been very less appealing lately. It's been owed a less appealing. Okay? That's one way you can do it. Y'all, by the way, don't ask to borrow Chance's phone. The second way though, I've just done, there are several things that I've done uh, one of the things that I'll do, and I'm going to show you my screen, okay? The first thing is I grayscale my phone. Now, I don't have it on there. And I, I, I put, uh, don't make fun of me, okay? I did this a while back. It's just on there. But if you'll notice, what I did is I started hiding my apps. 
Now, I have a grayscale my phone. I actually grayscale my phone to where most of the time I've kept it in grayscale because it's ugly to look at. It's hard to look at. And, and if you'll notice, I've hit all my apps, and I've done this for about a month, and it's actually worked. If I want to go to the apps that I use, I have to tap on one of those things, and then I'll show you. And then I have to, like, scroll. That's the third. So, so for me, the ones that I actually use here are uh, usually TimeHop and WhatsApp. I, I, I've made those on my third menu. It takes a while. They're not just staring at me all the time. I'm not having that dopamine hit immediately, okay? That's something to try. All right, some other things that I'll tell you just practically that I have been experimenting with. Um, turn off notifications, especially if you have over 30,000 emails. Turn that off for my sake, not yours. But turn off your notification. For me, I only have notifications on my, my text messages. The rest of them, I would tell you, is trying to get that dopamine hand. That is an algorithm that is trying to trigger you. I would encourage you, if you want to, to set some order, turn off some of these triggers. The next one, delete social media apps during the week. I only, and this is something that has been very effective, I only uh, download social media apps, and usually for me it's Instagram, and I'll download it on Friday or Saturday, and then I delete it on Sunday. And I don't have the app. If I want to go to social, I have to get on my browser. I have to go and find Facebook or whatever it is and just make it a little less appealing. All right, the next one here that I want to uh, show you, set time limits for your apps. You can do this in screen time. But you, if you find that you're on a, a social media or any app for hours a day, you can set an alarm, and even though you can override it, at least you'll know, I've been on Facebook for four and a half hours. Maybe I should read a book. Now, the next one, lock up your devices. Now, this I haven't done, but I have uh, left, left them in the car. We've been experiencing. My wife is very good at this. If you have kids, it can be a challenge. I understand that. You, you want to be connected somewhat. But you can at least decide, you know what, when we're at home, there are going to be some times. I've started trying to plug my phone in when I'm at, at, at home. and It's not locked up, but at least it's, it's connected and I can't just carry it. So... I say all of these as practical ways is that hopefully you'll begin to say, you know what, I need to intentionally prioritize. Because look what, how, how, what God says after he says, listen, you've got to put me first, put me everywhere in your life. And then he says this. And when the Lord your God brings, this is verse 10, when the Lord your God brings you out of the land that he swore, brings you into the land that he swore, swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give to you, with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of good things you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, in other words, he's bringing you into blessing. God is blessing you. He is your Savior. He is blessing you. But when you get there and you realize, you know what, I'm blessed, and I've got these new, new opportunities that I didn't even bring upon myself. God has blessed me with this house. God has blessed me with this job. He has blessed me with this food. When you get to that point, he says... Take care, lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. The most dangerous thing about technology is the fact that it draws us away from our Savior, from the one person who truly can bring us out of bondage. So my hope for us in this message is that you'll at least begin to consider the first principle. You know what? In all things, including my technology, I have to be different. One of the reasons that God wanted Israel to be different, it was actually, I think there were two reasons. It's a word called holiness. Now we hear that holier than now is what we think, but that word simply means set apart, to be different. 
To be holy doesn't mean to be better than someone. It means to be different than someone. And God says, I want you to look different. I want you to look different so that you won't follow the destructive ways of the people around you. But I want you to look different so that those that are struggling with those destructive ways can see somebody that has prioritized God and can find freedom. And so if you're here today and you've never made the decision to follow God, you've never made the decision, you know what, I want to put God first. My hope for you is that that's what you will do today. That no one will leave this place without prioritizing God. Now, Jesus said it this way. Jesus said, if you want to follow me, if you want freedom, if you want to put God first, you only have to do two things. He says, repent and believe. Repent and believe. Repent simply means that you are going to, to admit that you've been going the wrong way. You're going to turn and say, you know what, I need another way. I'm going to follow God. And believe, believe in what? Jesus says that if you will believe that he is the Son of God, that he is the Savior, that he died on the cross for your sins. That is, he paid every penalty that your guilt deserved. And because he did that, he rose from the dead, showing that he indeed is God. And Jesus says, if you repent and believe, that you will be saved. You will have everlasting life. He says, the kingdom of God is for you if you simply repent and believe. And here's what I want you to do. If you've, if you've never done this before, I want you simply to go to some technology. If you go, you'll see there's a place on, on connectionpoint.life that says accept Jesus. I want to follow Jesus. You can also go out there. And here's what I want you to see if you've never done this. We have members right now. If you're a member of this church or if you're someone who has made the decision to follow Jesus, I want you to raise your hand. If you've repented and you said, you know what, my way didn't work, I've got to keep them up, keep them up. Now, if you've never made this decision, I want you to look around, and I just want to ask this question. If you've made this decision and you've decided, you know what, the best decision I ever made was to follow Jesus. If you've got your hands up and you would keep your hands up, just keep your hands up. Now, if you've never made this decision, you can discreetly look around and you can see. It's not a, a fancy sermon. It is not a fancy church. Jesus Christ, y'all can put your hands down. Jesus Christ changes life and changes lives. And what you need before you even try to tweak your technology is I put Jesus first by following him. But there are some of us in here that technology has been a burden or maybe we have another sin or another struggle, but we've already decided to follow Jesus and we're still struggling. For you, there's another, there's another message I'll have for you. Maybe you haven't had the strength. Maybe you try to make your, uh, your phone less appealing, but you still find yourself drawn away from God by looking at things you shouldn't look at or doing things you shouldn't do, and, you, and it burdens you. You know, Jesus said, it is good for you that I go away. Because if I go away, I will send you a helper. I will send my Holy Spirit into your lives. There are so many of us that follow Jesus, but we try to do it on our own strength, and God never intended that. And so today, your challenge might simply be that I'm going to get up, and instead of just going through a list of rules and doing this, I'm going to sincerely pray, God, give me the strength by your power, not mine, to live my life today. God, by your power, give me the motivation to seek you, to put you first today, not by my own. Because as a Christ follower, we are strongest when we admit we are weakest. So today, as I close, as I pray, I simply want to invite you to put God first. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this church and for every person that is here today. Lord, we are not perfect. In fact, we are the opposite of perfect. We are in need of a perfect Savior. So today we rejoice in Jesus Christ and the fact that you have saved us. 
Lord, we call on your name, whether for the first time or for the 15,000th time, Lord, we call on you because you are our strength. And as we seek to live a life set apart, a holy life this week, it's not because we are better than others. It's simply because we know your way is better than other ways. Lord, set us apart by your strength. Draw us to you by your power. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.